0: You're listening to the best of the Sergio show. Here's Sergio. Well, in studio, I have Rosa Hernandez and Rosie
1: Martinez. And you think I'd be adorned in all pink right now because it Rosie and Rosa? No, actually, we're completely flooded with the color purple right now. Beautiful color purple, or the hue in studio because the color purple, Rosie. Is for what? Rosie is here. uh, She's part of the victim's unit. She's the victim's unit director for the Hidalgo County DA's office. So why purple today, Rosie?
2: So purple is a color that has been designated for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So the entire month of October, uh, we do a lot of prevention, and we wear purple to show support to survivors.
1: Yeah, you were part a few days back when uh, Mr. P and Terry Palacios joined us on the news program He said, everybody come over to the October 3rd event. And mission, and right. you had other participants as well. So you were there during the
2: yes, October thirty. Uh, yes, we event. do. We do this uh, campaign on domestic violence awareness every mm-hmm. year, um, not just in October throughout the year, but October we focus our entire resources and efforts to educating the community about domestic violence and more importantly about resources available for victims because we want them to seek help.
1: Please tell me that this. Situation is getting better in Hidalgo County. You being on the front lines at the Hidalgo County DA's office and working with victims, please tell me that we're it's, seeing less of this.
2: It's not. Unfortunately, it's not. Why, yet. Rosa? Um, we've always had a big problem with domestic violence in our community. This is not something new. Um, what I can tell you that recent, in recent years, we've had more victims reporting, which is good. Our numbers are going up because victims now feel safe to report to law enforcement and to prosecute and go through the entire process, get protective orders, which was a very low number before we started doing prevention. So we know prevention works, education works, and if victims know that, you know, there's no reason for them to live in abusive relationships and they seek the help that they need, you know, our numbers are going to be high because they're reporting.
1: Percentage wise and per capita, is um, our area better off or worse than other?
2: Well, here locally in Hidalgo County, we had about 6,000 domestic violence cases reported to law enforcement. And those are the ones that are being reported, not the Same. ones that are not.
1: How many do you think are going uh, unreported?
2: That's only 30% of what really happened. Do you think so? Yes. Statistically, only 30% of victims report. And only 17% of victims actually make it through the full process of prosecuting. So just for for context, our office, the Victims Unit, serviced over 9,000 victims of family violence last year, Uh, which is, you know, good that they're coming forward and looking for help and looking for resources, but we know that that's only 17% of what actually happens.
1: Yeah, could be anywhere between... One-fifth to, I don't know, one-seventh of the population in the county. We know right. the legal status is not you know where it needs to right. be. To, they're not legal in the country. Th- I'm, I imagine that plays into women who don't have legal status as far as citizenship or residency.
2: Right. They just stay quiet. There's a right. lot of barriers for somebody to leave an abusive relationship. Immigration is one of them. Uh, but e- even undocumented victims of family violence have Uh, legal remedies for them, Mm -hmm. immigration remedies. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are eligible to apply for a U visa or to apply under the VAWA self-petition. And these are congressional acts that have been established by Congress over 30 years ago to Mm -hmm. protect undocumented victims.
1: Yeah, that's a massive communication and marketing effort to try to get that information out to the woman. That's Rosie Martinez. She's with the Victims Unit. She's the director of the Victims Unit, Hidalgo County uh, District Attorney's Office. Rosa Hernandez is a forensic nurse manager at DHR Health. And I would imagine, Ms. Hernandez, when it comes to helping the victims that you encounter at the ERs that come in after a violent situation, those frontline nurses, uh, privately, finding a way to privately, right, and with certain tricks, right, to get the boyfriend or the husband or somebody out of the way to get the victim to talk one-on-one with a nurse, and then ask the right questions, right? There's a lot of training that goes into that.
3: Right, right. And so it's very important because DHR Health is the only hospital here in Hidalgo County that has a center where we take care of any victim who has been a a victim of a crime. Is that right? And so we're in a private setting. We're not located inside the ER. We want to make sure that they're safe, and they're in an environment where they're able to discuss what happened to them in a safe environment. Tell
1: me more about DHR being the only one that has this type of room or or facility. I find that surprising. I'd I'd figure that at all ERs,
4: right? Well,
3: yeah. So we have a safe, it's called a safe ready facility. So we have a specific area. We have two rooms in this department, two examination rooms where we provide the medical forensic examination. So medical portion being making sure that they're okay, that they're healthy. And then the forensic piece is when we collect evidence.
1: Rosa Hernandez, Forensic Nurse Manager at DHR Health. We're talking about D- Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we have um, these courageous women in the studio. that were in purple. Purple is the color that um, hopes to get the message out when it comes to domestic violence. Ms. Rosa, your <laughs> nurses, did they, are all of them required to go through a certain <laughs> amount of training? Yes. Uh, Hours-wise? Yes. So
3: our nurses go through extensive training. They're registered nurses. They had to have completed two years of being registered nurses, and then they go to specific training to be able to provide this service. Um, It's it's a comprehensive uh, trauma-informed training that we go through. Um, At DHR Health, we have six forensic nurses, all skilled to be able to provide the care to adults and children. So any victim of all ages we see.
1: Man, that's gotta be like real stressful (laughs) to to be dealing with. So it's heartbreaking to deal with. It is heartbreaking,
3: but somebody has to do it, and we're there to care for them. Well,
1: thank God that you have that specific facility. I need to segue. There you go. You got the microphone, Patty. Patricia Lerma joining us from UTRGV. There is an event that we want you to know about. Hopefully, uh, if you know somebody that, that needs help. So tell me about it, Pat. Yes,
4: of course. Yes, thank you for having me on. Again, yes. my name is Patty. I'm here um, as a research graduate assistant re- uh, representing UTRGV, the uh, Program of Rehabilitation Counseling. Um, one of the biggest things that I like to do as a doctoral student is make sure that I always engage with my community. I'm making sure to um, inform the public through, uh, thankfully, you know uh the da's office through our dhr you know sane unit um, we are so fortunate that um, we can all collaborate together as professionals and we all hold this cause near and dear to our heart um, so the the one event that i really we've had several we had we were booked all last week we are very excited to come together and continue to um, get women children and even men um, to uh, have a voice to say something not stay silent So, we're continuing the second week of October, and we have one coming up um, where we are doing self-defense with the UFC gym, and that is going to be hosted, and um, uh, Rosa and DHR and her team are going to lead the way with our UFC gym instructors, and we're going to provide basic self-defense skills for those, um, you know, women and men who feel they need to, uh, that added protection so that they are not as vulnerable within that situation. When you know they're faced with something that kind of gets out of hand in the relationship. All three
1: of y'all are trained in self-defense. Have y'all gone through it? So in theory, you could kill me and kill Freddie too <laughs> well, if, if, well, if we make you mad, right?
4: We're trying to. We do not of violence. Yeah, we do not, violence. <laughs> so, yeah. we we do not promote violence. violence. So <laughs> one <So, when, when, laughs>
3: important.
1: That's yeah. true. We're not promoting. And, and violence. that's
3: important to to point out. <laughs> yeah. um, when The reason for this self-defense is classes not to promote violence but yeah. to promote
1: safety yeah. Correct. Yeah. yes yeah and in self-defense means that you, you find a way to avoid getting punched that's or right. to redirect the energy somewhere else yeah exactly. that's right yes. uh, in studio uh, we're having a conversation with Patricia Patty Ledma from UTRGV uh, Rosa Hernandez uh, forensic nurse DHR Health Rosie Martinez with the DA's office and we're talking about domestic awareness violence month which is this month and this coming Saturday at UFC Gym, that is 3300 North McCall in McAllen at two sessions, right, 10 in the morning and uh, 3 p.m. So this Women's Safety Workshop, the Domestic Violence Awareness Month uh, Safety Workshop, this training, what, what is all involved? What, what do you think is going to happen, Rosie?
2: Okay, so the district attorney is also partnering in this uh, event, and we're going to be talking about safety planning. So Terry's is- going to be there, too? Which is very important to talk about, yes.
1: She's going be wearing, he's going to be wearing like a little a karate suit and also <laughs> getting on the floor. Or does he no, get all padded up so people can punch we're, him? We're Bye. actually
2: going <laughs> to talk about safety planning for victims, and that includes uh, victim accessing shelter. Okay. Domestic violence emergency shelter, and also other resources that are available like crime victims compensation for relocation. Um, there's a lot of resources that victims are not aware of that can help them get out of those abusive relationships right and I think the most important thing that we need to advise victims is that leaving an abusive relationship does not equal safety as a matter of fact the time that they leave is a time where the violence escalates because Mm. they have removed that power and control away from the abuser and they're at a higher risk of lethality yeah. So it's super important that they safety plan, that they know where to go, that they have a plan of action. Because we already know they're victims. We just want them to leave as safely as possible.
1: Do we have enough facilities? Do we have enough shelters? Do we have enough apartment space?
2: Here in in Hidalgo County, our domestic violence shelter is Mujeres Unidas. Okay. And they've been in our community for 45 years already. They recently celebrated their 45th anniversary. They have a hotline number that's answered 24-7, and the shelter is also available 24 hours, 7 days a week. So um, it's only for victims of domestic Are we meeting
1: violence. the need? I guess that was the, the question. Are uh, we able to meet the need? Because thousands of victims are no, talking about. No,
2: uh, actually, it's constantly full, so we rely Ooh. on other shelters. So there's a network of shelters all across the nation where victims can go. It doesn't necessarily have to be here in Hidalgo County. Mm -hmm. Uh, We look out to uh, Family Crisis in Harlingen, Friendship of Women in Bronzeville, uh, Star of Hope in Stark County, even Corpus, San Antonio. Anywhere that they need to be where there's room, we will make sure that they get So you're coordinating
1: with. Even San Antonio and yes. Central Texas uh-huh. and Corpus, and if Coastal necessary, ben, yes, to shelter them up there. The wow. other thing
2: that we can do is also, for example, if, if the victim has a sister in another state mm-hmm. or another okay. part of the, um, the state, we will coordinate through the network of shelters and get that person to that shelter where they're going to be closer to family. Yeah. So there's always a place for them to be at. Yeah. And uh, last case scenario, we also have a partnership with our community service agency, and they will pay for emergency shelter. Uh, for about seven days, if the shelter is full until there's a vacancy, uh, we'll transfer them to the shelter.
1: Well, thank you uh, for leading the charge, and I appreciate y'all making time to come all the way over to the radio station to talk. This is your radio station, okay? <laughs> we got an afternoon show as well <laughs> if you need to make um, more announcements yes. on future events. Uh, you got more activities, I would imagine. Yes. After this, you got more activities before yes, the we end of the right?
2: As a matter of fact, next week we're hosting the regional press conferences with the four counties. So, uh, Willacy County is going to be Monday, Cameron County, Tuesday, and then on Wednesday here in Hidalgo County, and then Thursday, uh, Stark County. So, we've we've done regional efforts for a few years already where the four DAs convene together and host a press conference regionally, and we caravan to those counties and show support to them. So, we'll have a law enforcement caravan traveling to all the four county areas uh, to show unity and support because this does not affect just Hidalgo County. This is not, uh, it's a regional pro- problem, it's a state problem, it's a U.S. national problem, and a mm. worldwide epidemic.
1: Yeah. It's a community problem, and um, it all starts at home, people. Make sure um, you bring up your boys right, your boys and girls right, but mostly boys. We, we know the realities of of biology, so...
2: Yes. Uh, um, 80% of victims yes, are females, absolutely. but we do have uh, male victims as well. Yeah. And we will provide them the services and resources similar to any woman. This does not discriminate against your gender or age. It can happen to anyone.
1: Yeah. Rosie, Rosa, and Ms. Patty, thank you for stopping by. Call us anytime.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having right? us.
1: This is the Sergio
0: show. You're listening to the best of The Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Some of the news today from Israel.
1: It is said that Israeli forces were able to kill about 1,500 of those Hamas terrorists that invaded and went neighborhood by neighborhood and were just killing civilians. Women, children taking hostages as well, attacking a music festival. 250 bodies recovered, I think, at that music festival. These unsuspecting folks, just, uh, these militants, these terrorists, flying in, coming in through the sea, b- blowing down walls and going there just shooting people, killing innocent people all over the place. Let me bring in a former special agent and senior advisor at the U.S. Department of State, Ron Holloway. Thank you for joining me today, Ron. Listen, how does... We're looking at a long engagement. How do you think this plays out over the next several weeks? How can, in your mind, Israel eventually, they may not be able to kill everybody with this mindset of killing Jews, but how does Israel, how can Israel win over Hamas?
6: They got to win hearts and minds. Um, and right now, this, so people think about a fight over a piece of land. Uh, it's bigger than that you have to understand first let's put it like this Israel's situation 9-11 happened in New York City which was part of a big country with no enemies on its borders Israel just had the equivalent of 9-11 except it kept going not just two planes and it's surrounded on its borders by historic enemies so they've got it's a very tenuous situation they have to be very strategic with what they do, and the world is watching. It, another note of this is this is part of the Cold War and what we should probably see throughout. Uh, we hear people talk about America no longer being a, the world police and all that. Well, we in Texas, uh, we know that if you pull the sheriff out of town, the banditos are going to come and come for you. If you pull, you pull wired up out of Tombstone... Uh, you're going to see a bunch of the cowboys running around and that's what we're seeing. Uh, Russia and Ukraine didn't happen in a vacuum. They moved when they did because they saw us at a weakened state. It's the same thing here. I imagine North Korea will rattle their sabers and others throughout the world.
1: With Hamas and Hezbollah getting their paycheck pretty much from Iran, Iran keeping them alive, of course, getting the six billion dollar infusion they can move numbers around in the ledger. They don't have to worry about six billion dollars in food and medicine, other humanitarian stuff. They can move six hundred they can move six billion dollars in the Iranian ledger over to military hardware and funding their terrorist mm-hmm. organizations. Do you see yeah, this I where mean, Iran Do you see where this Iran might be drawn in by uh, an Israeli airstrike or or some retaliation by Israel, which I would not blame them to do, because Iran is, by proxy, attacking Israel through Hamas mm-hmm. and Hezbollah.
6: You hit on the key word there, and that's proxy. If we go, So we're in a new Cold War. We're in a new era, uh, becoming multipolar, not unipolar. And uh, Cold War, just like we saw in the 80s, and all throughout, it was fought through proxy wars. You know, we saw Russia invade Afghanistan and the U.S. backing the Mujahideen. Uh, We saw. Communists all over supporting the North Vietnamese and we've supported South Vietnamese, Uh, we're going to see more of that. I, I, I suspect, um, as far as an existential threat to this country, as like wiping us off the face of the earth, no.
1: Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, that hatred position, you just can't. Yeah. yeah, but you know,
6: a position of weakness. Yeah. certainly they want to do that.
1: You know, you know what's missing? Look, I think it's just my. You know, I am just in the bleachers, man, and you are closer to. <laughs> uh, you got the better seats uh, closer to the to the field. Uh, but look, I don't hear Europe. Uh, obviously, with this White House, I don't hear this White House. Uh, the condemnation of Iran. Everybody knows it is Iran. That is paying has Hamas and Hezbollah paychecks and, and all these other crazies that are are wanting to destroy uh, annihilate Israel. Are there any sanction levers left for the U.S. for the world to again point the finger at Iran and say we're going to punish you because you guys are tied at you guys are connected at the hip on this? I think that's what needs to happen. Right, this more than just overwhelming support. You know, the condemnation of the terrorist attack, fine. And support for Israel, fine. People, you you need to pull back the screen, pull back the curtain, and and again, point a finger on who the problem is, and that is Iran. And, man, I don't see any courage whatsoever in the international community to do this.
6: I'd say it's a tenuous situation. And and you have to understand, this is three-dimensional chess. And we're seeing opening moves right now. Condemnation of Iran, definitely. Uh, but they've got to be careful how they do it uh, because the world's a tinderbox. We don't want to make Iran the hero in people's eyes. We don't want to turn Palestine into the rally call or uh, Gaza into the rally call for extremist Muslim groups. Uh, you know, we had our Alamo and everybody came to the rescue. Well, we don't want gods that have become the, the radical element alamo where they all rallied to to take on the west there
1: yeah i don't know man with all these pro-palestinian rallies in new york and other major cities these people you know they don't give a damn about this bloodshed all these innocents killed all the, the surprise terror attack all these poor people that were not expecting it and bodies all over the place there's a massacre And the leftist media in this country doesn't give a damn, and they're doing live coverage and doing news reports. But these people have no shame uh, in in major U.S. cities because they're so woefully, poorly uh, informed, they're so ignorant about what just took place, which should be completely unacceptable. Um, But anyway, Ron, I got to go. I appreciate you joining me today. We'll call you next time. Uh, Former special agent and senior advisor at the U.S. State Department, Ron
0: Holloway. This is The Sergio Show. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Chris Art is joining me right now. Chris, I'm stretching good my morning. arm. I'm stretching my
1: arms and giving you a huge, <laughs> big, tight hug right now, Omega. So good to hear from you. I am again. feeling
7: it. Thank you, my friend. Everybody Chris, can use hugs.
1: She's a, a longtime champion for educators. She was an educator. For how many years were you a teacher, Chris, here in McAllen?
7: Twenty or in McAllen, twenty-eight years, uh-huh. and one year in Brownsville. Okay,
1: was that Brownsville before or after the whole McAllen thing?
7: In the it was, um, <laughs> I taught in McAllen for five years. I got homesick and went back to Illinois. I missed to the valley and came back (laughs) and landed in Brownsville for a year and then came home to McAllen. All
1: it took was one solid uh, sub-freezing cold front to send you scurrying back (laughs) (laughs) to the roof. Absolutely. You
7: are 100% correct.
1: (laughs) In (laughs) in Illinois. (laughs) All right, so it's called uh, Proposition 9. Uh, We have a constitutional amendment election in Texas uh, that will take place November 7th. Some local elections, some school districts also asking for tax ratification and and some other school districts asking that you approve some bonds for some improvements, things like that. But part of the constitutional amendments that you need to say yes or no to, and from from my perspective, I'd say yes because, my goodness, it deals with cost of living adjustment for retired teachers, and I was floored to find out, Chris, that it's been almost 20 years that some yes. of these retired educators have seen a cost of living adjustment. And just in the, I was commenting earlier just in the last two years, um, you know, we're looking at about a 20% inflation rate. Oh
7: okay. yes.
1: and my goodness! And so
7: I, I, first of all, I want to thank you for saying proposition nine, because there's a lot out there prop nine and it sounds ridiculous, but some people do go to the polls and they get a little confused because it doesn't say prop. And honestly, <laughs> we have seen that that's an issue. So thank wow. you for calling it Proposition 9. Um, so another thing I really need to clarify, because this is another big confusion, and even on the ballot, it's going to read Teacher Retirement System. And that is what it's called. TRS is the Teacher Retirement System, but it's actually the retirement system for all public education employees. Okay. So we're talking bus drivers, custodians, cafeteria, police, classroom aides, librarians, nurses, anybody who works in our public schools, TRS or the teacher retirement system is for everyone.
1: How much of a cost of living adjustment are we looking at because I mean I don't know if it's enough to make up for the twenty percent oh. ridiculous inflation we've seen the past twenty four months, and for these folks that are that haven't received a cola adjustment in almost twenty years, man,
2: I don't know if it's okay. going to be enough.
7: Are you you are you are really going to probably pass out with this one? Okay, okay? so anybody who retired from um, on or yeah. before August thirty first, two thousand one, um. Hold, hold on, hold on, let me back up. Sure. It's a 6%, yes, it's a 6% COLA mm. for anybody who retired on or before August 31st, 2001, 22 years ago. Wow. They're getting a 6% COLA. If you retire between September 1st, 2001 and August 31st, 2013, you get a 4%. Yeah. And if you retired September 1st, 2013 to August 31st, 2020, it's only a 2%. Wow. Okay. You know how like Social Security and about 60% of public ed retirement systems in the country have a built-in system for COLA? We do not have that.
1: Has that been addressed with Proposition 9 or are we having to wait for lawmakers? Okay.
7: No, okay. this is just, this is this COLA, and it, it, it will be a permanent COLA if, it pass, if the voters pass it. Also, I want to stress... But it's a one-time, it's, though, there,
1: Chris, right? It's a one-time... No. No?
7: It's, well, yeah, it's a one-time COLA in the sense that, but it's a one-time, it doesn't mean that every single year we're going to get an additional COLA, but we yeah. will get, like, if you get the 4% then you're going to get the 4% every year. You're going to get that same one. But it's roughly be around 100 to $150 a month for those who have been let retired. Me, let and, me make sure I understand. Know. My
1: friend Chris Artis, a retired educator of many years here in the Rio Grande Valley, mostly in McAllen. I know she's of McAllen fame to me and a dear friend of <laughs> mine and, and a champion for Texas teachers. She's been fighting for many years when it comes to Medical coverage for retired educators and folks that uh, yeah. also, or you know, b- with, been within Bad. public education. Okay, so we're looking at a cost of living adjustment it's called Proposition Nine, and for folks who yeah. retired almost 20 years ago, six percent uh, cost of living adjustment. Folks uh, in between, between 2001 to 2013, four percent increase. Anybody who retired after 2020, two uh, percent increase. And let me make sure, make sure I understand this right. Now, if voters say yes. I guess I don't know January first or whenever uh, it it kicks yeah, in. Yeah, right. January
7: first okay. it would kick in.
1: Okay, it kicks in, yeah, but January first of the following year, uh, they're not going to get a cola adjustment, or are they based based on these? Yes, it's
7: it will be that will be permanent. What passes, it, it's not that this is not one time. If it passes, okay. it's permanent. But we don't get like how you know how Social Security is based on the um, inflation index.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not so tagged to inflation. We don't have
7: that built in.
1: Yeah, well, it's going to take a well, while. It's going to take several years to try. To, and then the oh, ones yeah. Who have, yeah, the ones who have the huh. advantage are the ones who retired uh, before two thousand one, right around uh, two thousand one, around that time. Uh they're the ones well, that have
7: they have a 6%. Yeah, but
1: it's going to take a lot of catch up. This in
7: mind, the largest percentage of TRS retirees at 29.7% of all TRS retirees in Texas, okay? 29.7%. Their monthly pension is between $1 and $1,000. Yikes.
6: <laughs> and That's so the TRS fund for 6% them? 6
7: percent a six percent cost of living adjustment for someone no. getting one thousand. Yes. Wow. And Sergio, I also want you to know that the the taxpayers are not footing this bill. The tax the Texas legislature has already set this money aside, but voters have to approve it because of the amount and their whole budget. You know the how they have a spending limit, and so they have set it aside because of our surplus in the state, and they feel it can be funded moving forward. But the voters have to say yes, we agree.
1: Yeah, we're running at an annual. And oh, go ahead.
7: Something else Mm -hmm. that um, a lot of people don't know that most public ed retirees do not receive Social Security just like there are 15 states, including Texas, that the police officers, firefighters, teachers, and a small group of uh, federal government employees do not get social security. If they work outside of their field, you know, after they retire, or even some do it after hours, you get a very small portion of the social security you pay in, but like me, I have all my quarters but I will not get the social security I would get had I never been a public education
1: employee. Is this by state yep. government edict? Is this a federal that edict? That is
7: federal. So we're battling the federal social security fairness act, which is completely separate from proposition nine, but we're and in our Valley legislators um, like Vicente Gonzalez is one of the big ones pushing the social security fairness act. And um, so that's the federal level. This, that we're talking about, Proposition 9, is the state level, and we are asking people to vote for, because the the ballot language is for or against, but it will have no tax implications for Texas voters or Texas taxpayers. It's
1: called Proposition 9. It's cost-of-living adjustment, uh, which I would say and emphasize and put in in bold italics, a minor cost-of-living adjustment, considering the fact that they have not, some of these teachers and and employees of school districts and anybody, yeah, associated, bus
7: drivers, yeah. custodians,
1: all of them. There's been two, almost all of two. There's been almost two decades, and no cost of living yeah, adjustment was, in Texas for them.
7: September first, it was nineteen years.
1: Wow. Okay, so look for it on the prop. Uh, look for it on the on the constitutional amendment election, November seventh. Early vote is October twenty third. Anything else on this you want to mention, Chris?
7: No, but I really appreciate you helping us get the word out because there is some confusion about it just being teachers number one and then that it could impact taxpayers and neither one of those is accurate. So thank you so, so much.
1: All right. I'm still hugging you by the way. You want me to let go now? I'm still hugging you on, on the radio. All
7: right. <laughs> oh, the longer the better.
1: <laughs> Be safe for me. Thank you. Stay dry. That's Chris okay, Artis, a- longtime educator here in McAllen, advocate for local teachers. This is the Sergio Show on Newstalk 710 KURV. Join us online dot KURV.com.
0: And You're listening to the best of the Sergio show. Here's Sergio.
1: A recent report from Harvard University complimenting several studies that said. People who stay active later in life can improve their longevity, quality of life, their health, folks 65 and older. Let me bring in somebody who works with folks who are uh, a bit seasoned, uh, a little senior in life, Angela Stewart, a senior care expert from Touchmark. It makes sense, Angie. and, And I know that, you know, just anecdotal, my life and the life of friends and family, we've noticed that people who retire and they don't have a routine anymore, don't have something to go do or or live for, they will wilt and wither, it seems, faster than other folks who are around the same age who continue uh, uh, an activity cadence of some sort, uh, keeping themselves busy, maybe even working part-time. Just want to get your thoughts.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. there's so much studies that prove exactly what you're saying, that we can reduce depression and physical illness. And you've heard the expression, use it or lose it. And that's true of, right. of body and brain. It's muscles to, to keep active. And I think, um, you know, I, you mentioned this, but I want to um, emphasize it, is there's a difference between change and transition. Change is the retirement or the change of job situation. And transition is the emotional acceptance and action required to spend your time in a different way. It's, it's relearning um, what makes you happy and to establish new patterns and and new reps or exercises to maintain or even grow new neurons if it's in your brain with solving problems and keeping active.
1: And there's so many opportunities from volunteering. I'm thinking a, a core of volunteers that show up we got winter Texans supposed to come from north and come and visit us they'll be filling up hospitals working you know carrying babies over at the nurseries or wheeling people around at the local hospitals or helping out the Salvation Army other big events in the area so maybe even just working part-time where you're able to socialize with other families younger folks uh, just be a door greet th- and you're making money at the same time I I I can see where that would be much healthier than just sitting in front of a television, just withering away, wilting away.
5: Absolutely. I like to define loneliness as man-made misery, and it's a choice. And there's so much opportunity to um, contribute and give back, and it's it's very rewarding to be able to see results of your, your efforts and it. Increases your self-efficacy, which improves your length of life and quality of life, and that's what you believe about yourself. And you know, I, I think I'm very passionate about um, saying if if you're growing old, well, it's time time to grow show your glow. It's there's so much life experience yes. and um, valuable lessons that you can share with younger populations and. And our demographics and census is changing from a triangle to uh, the workforce is an inverted triangle. We have more younger people than older people, and yet we get to work with four generations right now, which is really special to be able to um, mentor and give those soft skills that we fine-tune over a career, um, whether it's leadership or communication. Um, And yes, you're right. We We can do jobs for fee and and not everybody needs to do that, but what what's more important is to be able to stay active and give mm-hmm. back, and whether that's just through volunteerism, civic engagement, um, we we need you in our society to um, be better.
1: Use it or lose it is key, including your legs. Use it or Man, lose it. If you're able to move around, if you're, you're still relatively healthy, especially if you're mobile, you can move around once you lose that mobility, and I It just broke my heart to see uh, my dad because he wanted to move around. And yet I had another close family member uh, that uh, he would frequently see who chose just to sit in front of a television, just watch golf the remainder of his life. My dad wished (laughs) to have just half the strength to still move around and do something, just be a handyman, do anything, fix anything. Uh, If you're able to move, especially if you're able to move, that's the way to keep your your brain uh, as sharp as possible. And extend your life and and provide some reward. Uh, Angela Stewart is with he's a, she's a senior care expert with Touchmark, and uh, you you work with living uh, assisted living communities and and I bet you you hear lots of stories from folks that wish they could still move. and um, so that's why I say be grateful for for the legs that you have and and move around. Just want to get your final Absolutely. thought.
5: yeah. Yeah, I just you know want to emphasize um, the fact that we have a lot of need as younger generations for you to contribute, and and then it does benefit you to have better brain health and offset that progression of aging. So many things um, can can start once you stop using it, and or you'll lose it. So moving is important. Staying social is important. What you eat and hydrate is important. That you're um, solving problems and learning new things. Interestingly, a, a different study showed that if you can just spend six minutes to two hours daily on the internet, um, you can preserve your brain resiliency and and lessen your loneliness. Interesting. And, and we're 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 finally getting uh-huh. studies on the brain because yeah. retirement's newer. We're living longer, studying the brain more, and, and we're getting um, evidence yeah. of those contrasting lifestyles.
1: And when you say internet, read, people. Do a lot of reading or play Absolutely. games. like, like <laughs> a, Challenge your mind to play some of these puzzle games more than just watching stupid monkey videos. <laughs> you got to actually uh, exactly. move that noggin. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. I appreciate your time. All from right. Thank C- you. Senior Care Pro from Touchmark, Angela Stewart. This is The Sergio Show.